This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I can't believe I'm saying this. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line by the one and only Jennifer Aniston. Why did Jennifer Aniston start a hair care company? Because she was tired of choosing between hair products that work and hair products that are actually good for us. But thanks to Lola V, we never have to choose again. No silicones, no sulfates, parabens, or gluten. And of course, it's cruelty-free and vegan. The Glossing Detangler and Perfect Conditioner are my personal favorites. Not only do they repair the look of damaged hair, but they also shield it from future harm. The first step to unlocking confidence in your dating life and your daily life is feeling confident about your hair. So unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at lolav.com. And as listeners of Seeing Other People, you're getting an exclusive 15% off off of your entire order when you use code Seeing Other People at checkout. That's 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com with promo code Seeing Other People. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After your purchase, they will ask you where you heard about them. Please, please, please support Seeing Other People and let them know that I sent you. You guys are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from the best of the best, Jenny Kane. And yes, there is a discount, so keep on listening. You know that feeling when you get a new sweater and it instantly becomes basically another layer of your skin? Like you wear it everywhere for everything all the time. Okay, well, Jenny Kane has become my literal uniform. And if you don't know Jenny Kane, I'm pretty much about to change your life because Jenny Kane's clothes did that to mine. Jenny Kane is a California brand with luxurious staples that will transform your closet. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. They have the coziest cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories that will elevate your everyday basics. I don't know if I wear my cashmere fisherman hoodie or my cropped cashmere cocoon cardigan more. All I know is that I cannot live without either of them. Whether it's a cozy night in with the girls, a dinner date with Jake, or catching a flight to Florida to see my parents, these sweaters are perfect for every single occasion. And I couldn't be happier when I'm wearing them because I'm so comfy. And you guys know me. I always choose comfort over how something looks. But with Jenny Kane, I don't have to choose because I get comfort and I get style. All right. So we have the discount code coming for you. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Seeing other people listeners get 15% off their first order when you use code SOP at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code SOP, S-O-P. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back to another episode of Seeing Other People. Together, we're navigating modern dating alongside experts and real life daters who are sharing their stories. Don't have a date for tonight? No problem. Come learn, laugh, and maybe even cry along with us as we navigate the dating scene together. Welcome everyone. We're so excited. This is a special collab episode. Yeah, I'm Dr. Morgan Anderson, and we have with us Alana Dunn. Hey guys, how's it going? Morgan, I'm so excited right now. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I have always wanted to collab with you. I I love everything you put out and your podcast, seeing other people. Um, so yeah, this is this is such a fun collab happening here. I'm so excited. And I feel like you're exactly who my audience needs to hear from right now. So I think. This is just such a perfect like joining of worlds and everyone's going to learn so much and benefit so much from this. So I think, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for being here. Thanks for coming on and yes. having me on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Can you give us a little backstory for my audience? I want them to know yes. just a little bit about you and, and how you found yourself here and doing this work and with the platform you have. Absolutely. So for anyone um, who knows me personally, I think we all would have laughed 
if somebody had said, oh, in five years, in 10 years, in, in three years, Alana will be, you know, hosting uh, dating podcasts and helping people with their dating struggles. Um, I think we all would have laughed very hard. I ended up finding myself running Hinge's social media for work um, after leaving the music industry. And at the same time, my dating life was in absolute shambles. And so I kind of was like, well, if I can use my experiences to kind of caution people and help them not end up feeling as broken and terrible as I do now, then that'll all be worth it, everything I went through. And so I kind of came from a place of vulnerability in terms of the content that I was creating for Hinge, where I wasn't just saying, do this and your dating life will be great or do this on the app and you'll find success. I was like, no, dating is actually really, really difficult and hard. And it's not just going to you know, appear when you least expect it. Your person isn't going to just knock on your door. You know, like we're going to face difficult things, but we can overcome them. And the more we talk about them, the more we communicate, the better off we'll be. And so I really shared my experiences as a way to help people through their own and to help realize, you know, we're not all alone in what we're going through. And that inspired the podcast. And it's been two and a half years of seeing other people. And I just have such an amazing com community that's grown with me. And I, I love it. So that's, that's how I got here. <laughs> I love it so much. And from what I know, you are engaged now as well, yes. right? Yes, I am. <laughs> so you went on your own personal journey and obviously I relate to this too, um, of using, I say like using the lemons that life has given you to make lemonade. And so, so rewarding to be able to help people. Um, and I love that you were putting out real content for hinge, you know, and that you continue to do that of the real truth of it, because there's just too many people out there that are like, Oh, it's just, you know, it's so easy and you'll find your person. Just keep showing up. Just wait. They'll show up when you're not trying. It's like, actually, no, <laughs> so you I actually have it. to try and work yeah. on yourself and, and work on yourself. Yeah. Go through it. Um, yeah. I'm curious. I I'd also love to hear how you got to where you are now. You're a relationship coach, attachment theory expert, creator of ESLs, which is empowered, loved, secured relationship method. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. How did this all come to be? Yeah. So I was getting my doctorate degree in clinical psychology, always had an interest in couples, um, was always fascinated by relationships and understanding the different dynamics. And then in my second year of grad school, I actually found myself in a relationship with a narcissist and it was 18 months of hell. Um, and at, at the end of it, I had just completely lost myself. I had no self-worth. Um, I tell the story on my podcast of, I was in my lobby of my apartment building since sitting on the floor, filing a police report at my lowest point uh, over what had happened. And I just knew that I could not do this anymore. Like I cannot date this way. And I really yeah. wanted to find my person. So I, I threw myself into understanding how to have a healthy relationship because I thought if I can't do it, at least I could research it and then maybe I could understand it. So I threw myself into attachment theory research in my doctorate program. Um, and I started my own healing journey and I applied it to myself and started applying it to people I worked with. And then I was in private practice 
and seeing 20 people a, a week as a psychologist. And I just realized, wow, like more people need this. So then that was the birth of the podcast, which is now three, three years and great community. And yeah, definitely surprised me. I would have never predicted being in this place as well. And it's just so, so meaningful. I have a question for you and I don't want this to come off insulting in any way. It's more so just curiosity because I know, you know, average normal people who know nothing about psychology, nothing about dating often, not often, but they can find themselves in unhealthy relationships, narcissistic relationships, abusive relationships. So I'm curious, you were like, you had your psych degree, you were getting your doctorate. So exactly. So how does somebody with that knowledge end up in that same place too, because, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes we say like, oh, if only I had known more, I had known the signs to look out for, but at the same time, when we're going through it, we have blinders on, we have those rose colored glasses. So I imagine it was really maybe surprising when you actually realized what was going on. I love this question. Um, because I really want everyone to know that this can happen to anyone, anyone, can find themselves in a relationship with a narcissist. I know other psychologists, I know lawyers, I know doctors, I know highly, highly intelligent individuals who know what narcissism is finding themselves in a relationship with a narcissist. And there's a few reasons here. Um, I'll, I'll talk about the, yeah, I I could go into this to be a whole episode, but one of the things I think about is if you haven't healed some of your childhood woundings um and and you haven't maybe worked on the father wound or the mother wound or or some of those deep attachment wounds you're just going to be more susceptible to it like you're just more more vulnerable no matter how intelligent you are no matter how much you know like emotionally you're just going to be more vulnerable towards it when you haven't done that work and then the other thing is and this is actually the more important thing is that narcissists are just good at what they do. They are just charming. They will, they can put on any kind of show. They're incredible actors. You oftentimes, I didn't know until six months in. So out of the 18 months, the first six months was normal. You know, you wouldn't have known. So I think it's just important to realize like this can happen to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like to have that realization of like, oh shit, this is what's actually going on. I was mortified at the time there, you know, there wasn't Instagram back then. Like Instagram was selfies. Like, um, there wasn't the information out there, I will say. Um, and so I didn't really know how common it was. And, and I had all this shame Thank God I had an incredible clinical supervisor who I went to and she, she made me feel good. She made me feel safe. I was getting death threats at my workplace. Like it was bad. So she showed up for me just in major, major ways. And she was kind of like my, my one person. Um, but I wouldn't even, I had such a hard time opening up to anybody about it. I had so much shame. So it wasn't until years later that I could even acknowledge to other people what had happened. And a lot of my friends knew the charming side of him. So they didn't even know what was happening behind closed doors. Um, so yeah, shout out to my clinical supervisor and my therapist at that time that, that really helped me get through it. Yeah. 
Wow. Well, I'm obviously so sorry that you had to go through that, but it's amazing that you were able to take that and really do something great with it and, and help other people not end up in that situation or know how to navigate it if they do. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I am an incredible relationship now. I've been with my partner for um, almost three years. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing to be at this place in my life where I can look back and say, wow, like there was so much that I didn't know about what it actually feels like to be in a great, healthy relationship. And we have this term in clinical psych called corrective emotional experiences, where you experience something and it can almost correct in your brain, like the blueprint that you have for a relationship. And my, my relationship now, these last three years, I'm always having these corrective emotional experiences and it's wonderful. Brave the uncomfortable. Those are the words engraved on my bracelet that have gotten me through some of the most anxiety-inducing moments over the last few years. And that's why I could not be more excited to encourage you all to get a Presently bracelet of your own with a phrase that resonates with you. Presently is a line of mindfulness bracelets engraved with words inspired by cognitive behavioral therapy. The brand was started by two sisters, Lindsay and Emily, who have obsessive compulsive disorder, aka OCD, and anxiety. They realized that when stuck in an anxiety spiral, it's hard to put into practice the tools that they learned therapy sessions. They looked and looked for bracelets that could serve as reminders to interrupt that spiral, but they couldn't find anything besides the cheesy good vibes only and no bad days types of messaging. They started presently to bring more authenticity to self-help anxiety management. And as someone who has had a presently bracelet for three years, I mean it when I say it really makes a difference. So whether you need encouragement to make it onto that date that you've been anxious about, a calming mantra to get you through a big day at work, or simply a reminder that you're not alone presently has your back. Their bracelets are so beautiful and elevated and they also make amazing gifts. And I know because I have gifted a few over the years and my friends were so excited to get one and have worn them ever since. There are six phrases to choose from. And if you're indecisive, there's a quiz that you can take to help you choose the perfect reminder for your anxiety. Plus, 5% of each bracelet is donated to your choice of four mental health nonprofits. I wholeheartedly love and support Presently, and I know that your Presently bracelet will bring you as much comfort as mine has brought me. So head to presentlybracelets.com. That's P-R-E-S-E-N-T-L-Y bracelets.com for 10% off your order using code seeing other people. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. When I first started seeing other people, some of my closest friends and family could not believe it. Not because they didn't think I was capable of being a podcast host, but because I usually can't get through a sentence without sniffling. And during allergy season, forget about it. My seasonal allergies are debilitating and my sinus congestion and pressure has always left me feeling so sick. But luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, 
and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Claritin D has truly transformed my life. Not only can I breathe better and sleep better since taking Claritin D, but I also can get through the day so much smoother. I used to have to cancel plans because of how bad my allergies were. I'd go through a tissue box a week, sometimes more, and my eyes were always watery. But Claritin D's fast symptom relief starts working on allergies with nasal congestion in as little as 30 minutes, and it tackles nasal congestion caused by allergies or a cold and also relieves sinus congestion and pressure due to allergies. It's truly the greatest thing I've ever come across and I am so grateful that I found it and started using it. Are you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Yeah, it is so crazy. I remember, you know, the first time I ended up in a healthy relationship after the horrible relationship experience that I had, it was so shocking where I was like, whoa, like anytime something positive happened that was then followed by another positive experience, I was like, this can't be happening. Like, this is genuinely too good to be true. Like, what's the catch? Mm. It was like so difficult to wrap my head around. Wait a second things could actually just be good. And even though that relationship ended, I remember feeling really grateful for it after like he, you know, I was heartbroken when this guy broke up with me, but I was like, you know what, this relationship taught me how I want to be treated and how I deserve to be treated. And I didn't know that before I met this guy. So yeah, I'm a little brokenhearted right now, but I just gained so much out of that. I love it. I love it. And it's true. I think I always talk about, we can have healthy, great relationships where there is secure attachment. And that's, that's the foundation. That's the baseline. Like when, when you're dating, it's like, that's, that's what you want as the baseline. Right. And there's still compatibility. So sometimes if we have this history of not having healthy relationships and then we're in a healthy one, we think like, Oh, this is it. Like I found the person, but it's like, actually, this is the bare minimum standard. You're in a healthy relationship. And now we have to explore compatibility, right? Mm-hmm. And grow, like figure out how to, you know, build on that. We don't want just the bare minimum. Yes. Like we want, we want guests. We want to have that standard of being treated well, but we also want to make sure it's with the right person. The right person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what about you on your, your own healing journey? Because, you know, I know both of us realize dating is less about just, the numbers and going on all the days. And it's actually more about like doing the work on yourself. And yes, it's a numbers game. Yes. You have to put yourself out there, but you also have to like really work on the internal things. Right. So t- just tell me about your journey there. I was a very, very anxious attached dater. And I, for so long, genuinely believed that if a guy I liked didn't like me, then what, what was my purpose? Like I had no purpose. Mm -hmm. I was nothing. Like I attached so much of my self-worth and my just being enough to whether or not some random guy from a dating app that I went on one date with wanted to see me again. And so I had a really difficult time in my dating life because it's not going to work out with everyone. And all of these times that it didn't work out with someone, whether I got ghosted or they rejected me, or even if I, I knew I wasn't feeling it, I still wanted them 
to want to date me because I wanted that validation of, okay, I am good enough. And so I ended up in bad relationships. I ended up being treated really poorly. I ended up accepting way less than I deserved for so long because I didn't have any sense of like, well, I'm enough on my own. And if somebody's going to be my partner, it's because they add value to my life, not just because they make me feel better about myself. And it Mm -hmm. took a really long time for me to realize that I am a whole complete person on my own. And there's so much that I have to offer. And actually somebody that I want to be with, I want to be with them because I want to be with them, not just because they want to be with me. And that's something that it really, really took a long time for me to learn. And I say that for so long, I kept breaking my own heart because I wasn't ready to, you know, accept the right type of love um, until I really went through that healing process. Thank you for sharing this. I know there's going to be people listening who really relate to what you just shared. And I certainly relate to that too. This idea of putting people on a pedestal, devaluing yourself, placing your self-worth in somebody else's hands. And then going through rejection as having to mean something so, so deeply about yourself instead of it just being, Hey, rejection is actually part of the dating Mm -hmm. process, right? It's like actually what has to happen in order for you to find your person. And then I I loved what you said, because I always talk about this with clients, this shift of, well, do I like them? Like how, how do I feel in their presence? Is this actually somebody that I want to get to know? Like those, those are, are really, really, really important shifts. Um, And I do think it's like, until you do this inner work, you are going to be continued to be attracted to emotionally unavailable people. And I want to ask you something. This is kind of like a deep question, but it's something I see a lot with anxiously attached people. So I'm curious, like if you, if you, if your past self would relate to this, um, this idea that and a lot of times you're not aware of it, but that you don't actually seek out emotionally available people because there is a fear of you being seen, like in you being deeply known and you being loved. Cause it's like, if I don't think I'm enough or I don't think I'm good enough, I actually don't want somebody who wants to really see me or like really get to know me. Did, did that you know- feel true? I, I'm glad you asked. And I, I thought about that for a long time. I really did. Cause I, I was trying to identify like, why does this keep happening to me? Like, what am I doing to have this situation just play on repeat? And as much as I want to say, yes, I don't think that was it for me. I think I genuinely just a, I, the type of person that I was attracted to was the type of person who absolutely did not want to settle down for years. You know, I worked in the music industry. I only wanted to date guys who either also worked in music or were musicians themselves. And all of those people until they're like in their early thirties, they don't want a relationship. They are so career driven where anything that is going to get in the way of that, like a girlfriend was seen as a distraction. And so over and over I kept dating these people where I was like, well, of course, like 
it makes so much sense. Like they love dating me or talking to me because I get it. I get what they're going through. But then, you know, a few months in, I'd be hit with the, I really like you, but I don't want a relationship. And I'm happy to keep hanging out if you're okay with that. But just know, I don't want anything serious. And in my mind, I was always like, well, I'll change their mind. They don't know yet. They don't know me enough yet to know that they want something serious with me. Challenge and so accepted. All they that do. was literally my mindset. I'm like, no, nope. Like I will convince you. I will change your mind. Yes, and yes. I kept doing that mm. on repeat. And so I don't think it was that I was afraid to let somebody see the real me. Cause th- some of these guys, especially like the musicians, they're very like deep people. Like we yeah. would get very, very, very deep and and raw and and have very, very vulnerable conversations. But I just romanticized this idea of dating somebody in that world and going on tour together or building our careers together. Like there was just this vision that I had. Mm -hmm. And so I continued to date the same type of person. I say it's like I dated the same guy in a different font throughout the first half of my twenties. And it was never going to work out with any of those guys. I hear you. I, I always say on my show, I do the same guy with a different haircut. So it's like same thing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I actually love that you pointed this out too, of like, I love this term capacity. Like you were attracted to people who maybe even if part of them wanted a relationship, they did not have the capacity to emotionally invest and show up and actually build a relationship. Right. And the thing is realizing that, that, okay, the capacity is not there instead of making it about you not being good enough or, you know, that you're not worth the investment. And there's, there's actual logistical barriers to the kind of guy that you were attracted to, like describing their career and the lifestyle. It's like, that was actually a barrier. My thing was, I always loved people in different countries. Like I always loved long distance, (laughs) like, you know, different States, different countries. Um, and I had this idea of like travel and and it's like, there was logistical barriers there, you know? Right. Like the, the thing, the exact thing that we were romanticizing was not attainable. Yes. Yes. And for me, and I don't know if you relate to this, but for me, it's like, that was what was comfortable for me too. It's like the emotional, the emotional unavailability was the norm that I was used to from childhood. So that was my comfort zone, right? My, you know, and this is like going really deep, but it's like, my dad worked 80 hours a week. Like I never had a close connected relationship. And that's some of where my like comfort with anxious attachment came from. It's like that that was the blueprint that I had for the male relationship, but they weren't available. Raise your hand if you have dating anxiety. All right. All right. I know that everyone has their hands up and I get it. I had debilitating anxiety when I was single. And even when I first started dating Jake, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I know that is not a good way to feel and that is not a fun way to date. And I get it. It can be hard to find an anxiety relief tactic that works for you. That's why I'm so excited to introduce you to a new one that has helped me dramatically with my wedding and work stress and anxiety over the last few months. And trust me, there's been a lot of it. Sunset Lake CBD is an amazing company that not only has helped me feel so much better, but they also have a really cool history 
history and mission. Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. As farmers, they believe in providing only top-shelf CBD and hemp products at fair prices. So they cut out the middlemen and they ship their CBD straight from their farm to your door, which means that their CBD is affordable and trusted because CBD and anxiety relief can help everyone and they want it to be accessible to anyone. Trust me when I say that when I'm stressed or anxious, my sleep is the first thing to go. But despite everything I have going on right now, I've been taking a sleep gummy before bed and my sleep scores on my aura ring have been through the roof. Plus, I'm finding myself relaxing more at night and being able to turn off my work brain and my anxiety with the help of their CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews. Whether you want to sleep better, relax better, focus better, recover better, or anything in between, Sunset Lake CBD has something for everyone. So check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use code SOP for 20% off your order. That's code SOP for 20% off farmer-owned, Vermont-grown Sunset Lake CBD. Do you feel like you're at a crossroads in your love life? Maybe you're in the thick of modern dating or you're wondering if the person you're with is your person. Whatever your situation, I have the perfect podcast for you. It's called Dateable, your insider's look into modern dating, hosted by Julie Krafchick and Yue Shu. They talk about it all, from why you're choosing the wrong partner and how to stop, to how to actually go from matching on the app to getting on a date, to securing your anxious attachment and everything in between. Julie and Yue have been on Seeing Other People, and I've been a guest on their podcast too, so if you're looking for a great starting point, check out my episode of Dateable, season 15, episode 10, Is It Chemistry or Anxiety? Guys, this podcast is incredibly relatable, insightful, and oftentimes hilarious. Wherever you start, Dateable will help you feel inspired to date differently and create a love life that works for you. You can subscribe and listen to episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts every Wednesday and Sunday. So check out Dateable and thank me later. Yeah, I I actually have a question for you off of that. I'm curious. I don't I don't know what it is for me because I, I I think my attachment issues not or not issues, but my attachment got so much worse after this one horrible relationship that I was in. So I'm curious yes. from your expertise, how much of it is from childhood versus a traumatic experience? Like, could there be somebody who is genuinely like so securely attached, but then has a bad relationship experience and they become the most anxious person in the world? Or is it like 90, a hundred percent based in childhood and the way you grow up? I love that you asked this because, um, for a long time, attachment theory research said that it was all childhood and that's what it was for forever. And then in more recent years, like since 2005 and on, um, the research does support that it's all significant relationships and that can definitely include, um, romantic partnerships. And from my experience, like first, like your first partner or your second or your third, those early on romantic experiences in particular have a really big impact. Um, but it also could happen at any time. If it was a significant relationship that can have an impact on your attachment style. So there are people, there are plenty of people that I know that had great childhoods. They'll come to me. They're like, my mom and dad had the best relationship. They've been married for 65 years. They were there for me why on earth do I have this anxious attachment style? And then we dive into their romantic history and we can find the roots of it. So you're out. You're absolutely right. 
yeah, that makes sense. And it is funny because I go back to, you know, uh, one thing that happened in this traumatic relationship that I had was the entire time he was cheating on me. And um, I was very suspicious of it and was, I, I didn't even know the term gaslighting at the time, but anytime I would bring it up, bring up any concerns, I was told I was crazy. So I started to believe I was crazy. And I found out later that the entire time he had been with other people. And I, you know, it's funny because my first ever crush and like kid childhood relationship was when I was in middle school. And that boyfriend also cheated on me with one of my best friends at the time. And so I, I like to connect those two experiences because I also in that situation had a feeling and then mm -hmm. I learned that it was true, but I still kept myself in it and kept letting myself get hurt over and over as the behavior continued to repeat itself. Isn't that interesting to, to think about? And I, you know, it's like, I guess when we go back to our childhood selves, and this is some of the inner child healing work, like going back to middle school version of you and just sitting with her and saying like, Hey, what did you really need at that time? Like, what, what was it that, that you needed, right? Like how, how could have you been supported more? And, and obviously we know that she needed to know that this was not okay. And that she was worth so much more and that she deserves to stand up for herself and that she should trust her intuition and trust her gut. Right. And that's some of the beautiful thing. Like as an adult, we get to go and say, Hey, I can be my ideal parent. Now I can show up in the ways that, that I need to. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want to ask, as we're talking about bad relationships and yes. attachment, um, you recently had an episode about becoming securely attached after a bad relationship. And I want to touch on that a little, because I think that's something that a lot, I know a lot of my listeners struggle with and something that I struggled with too. And so I'm curious, you know, what are the biggest factors in healing and getting just to a better place mentally, physically, but, but really just healing your attachment after something like that kind of shatters your world. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will say, I think it's really important to make space for the healing. Cause I know this is what my younger self would do. I just try to move on to the next date um, and it was just a way to like numb and distract myself. So I wouldn't have to actually feel things. So, so my first thing is, okay, pause, <laughs> hit the pause button. Um, we're going to be dating ourselves for a while. We're going to get to know ourselves. Um, and one of the, one of the best things you can do is really look at your relationship history. I have, I have a program called the empowered secure love program. And the first exercise we do is called the relationship inventory. Um, and we're looking at all the significant relationships, including childhood. And we're asking questions like, was I loved? Did I feel emotionally safe? Did I get my needs met? So just taking an inventory of all your past relationships, really, really helpful. Um, the, another thing, and I'm just kind of going off of what I think are non-negotiables. Another thing is I call it Ferrari maintenance. Like you're not a Prius, you're a Ferrari. Like 
you've got to build your daily non-negotiable routines of how you show up for yourself. So important because we're, we're after a bad relationship, if you're anything like me, it's like, you just really, um, have like no self-worth. I mean, depending how bad it was, but you can just be really beaten down and you could have all these lies about yourself that you internalize based on how you were treated. So we have to really rebuild your self-worth. And part of that is your daily behaviors, your self-care, the way you're showing up for yourself. So you want to build some daily non-negotiable routines. Um, so those, those two things, very, very important. And then the other things are looking at your beliefs about yourself and your beliefs about relationships, re rewiring your brain for healthy beliefs. Um, very, very important. And I, I do have more on that on my podcast too. And then the final thing, this is another favorite thing, and this is embodying the securely attached version of yourself and really understanding what is secure attachment. How do I show up that way? What does it look like in practice? And, um, learning, learning how to be securely attached in action. Yeah. I love all of that. And and one thing that you pointed out that I want to touch on more is the daily non-negotiables. I think that's something that I would have benefited so much from applying to my life and actually like taking note of throughout my twenties, like, especially, especially when I was really going through it. And it's something that I didn't really start paying attention to until this year, actually. And I noticed how much better I feel when I do work out, you know, like I've had a weird relationship with fitness over the last like decade where I've put such an emphasis on working out because for how I look and you're like, oh, if I work out, then I'll feel better about what I'm eating. And I've completely changed that mindset this year to, I feel mentally better if I work out. And if I don't get it done in the day, like that's okay. Sometimes I'm too busy, but I know that it is the best 45 minutes of my day if I can make it to a class because it's also time away from my phone, which I've also noticed is so important for me and my mental health. And going to the dog park helps me so much. And so all of these things, I started paying attention to what actually makes me feel better. And while I can't necessarily accomplish them every single day, when I start to go into phases of feeling a little down or really burnt out or just not great, not like my best self, I know already, okay, well, here are the things that I can do to feel 1%, 5%, 10% better today. And so I think even if you're not going through something right now, it's so helpful to learn what these things are and, and test them and really see like, does this help me feel better? Okay. Maybe there's something else I could do instead that helps me feel even better. So that when you have those difficult periods, you already know, okay, well, I know what I can do. Oh, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's so key. Um, and I love the neuroscience behind this too, of you're, you're training your brain to say, Hey, your needs matter. It's so connected to self-worth because we can say, I love myself. I'm so, I am enough and that's good. Affirmations are great. And your brain needs to see evidence of behaviors in action, right? So when you are taking that 45 minutes for yourself, you're reaffirming to your brain, like, Hey, see, 
Like it matters. I need, I deserve to be taken care of. So I, I am enough. I do love myself. Um, and it's the best form of self-care when we keep the promises we make to ourselves. when we show up that way, that's how we're really building rock solid self-worth. Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask, you know, your course, your relationship method is empowered, love, secure. What do you think are the biggest blockers from people feeling empowered, loved and secure? Thank you for asking that. Yeah. I think what happens is people are living in their past experiences. They are repeating their patterns there, whether it's from childhood or from past chips, they're, they're reliving those experiences and, and bringing them with them into new relationships. That's one of the biggest barriers. Um, and it's all unconscious. It's not like you intentionally go, Hey, I want to replay what happened to be in my last relationship, but it's totally unconscious. Um, another barrier is beliefs about self beliefs about relationships. You have this little file cabinet in your brain labeled relationships, and you have a lot of beliefs there that really impact your decisions, your behaviors, how you show up, et cetera. So really we have to get rid of the ones that don't serve you. Um, and then the other barrier that's huge is not understanding attachment theory. Um, because when we don't understand why we do what we do, we can't let it go. So attachment theory is going to help you understand the why so that when it's happening, you can then realign to secure attachment. Yeah. I think that's really important, like understanding it and learning about it. I always wonder where would I be in terms of dating and relationships had I not ended up at that job at Hinge and had I not ended up really just studying dating and researching dating and talking about bad and, and good, you know, negative and yes. positive, healthy and unhealthy dating habits. And I think it's so empowering to learn about yourself and why you make the choices that you make, because then you're able to hold yourself accountable for doing it. And it's okay. If you don't always make the right choice, we're not perfect. We're never always going to do the right thing or say the right thing, or, you know, follow our gut when we should versus shouldn't, but it helps so much rather than feeling just like what's wrong with me, or this is the way I am and that's it. So I'm doomed. It's like, no, we can learn, we can grow and we can be actually like taking actionable steps to get to the place we want to be like one day at a time. Yeah. You nailed it because I think so many people, and this was me in my twenties was, I was just so critical of myself. I was like, Oh, something's wrong with me. I'm too much. And then that was reaffirmed for me by the people I was dating were telling me I was too much. And, Oh, it's just my childhood trauma. Like, you know, just all this blame and stuff that was out of my control and it's really disempowering. Right. But mm -hmm. when we can take ownership and have awareness, then we get to show up with compassion and compassion and understanding helps us really release things and then allows us to choose differently. But, you know, 90% of people are just stuck in the self-critical loop of blaming themselves and not getting the understanding. So that's why my show, your show, people like us, it's really important to spread awareness just to help more people be self-compassionate and be empowered 
and know that it can be different, that you're not broken. It's not too late. You're not too much, right? Like there's just some healing. And I think it's, it's really empowering once you realize that. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. Do you think, or how much do you think somebody else's attachment style impacts whether or not a situation can work. Cause I, I, I can imagine there are people listening like, Oh, well, like I'm anxiously attached, but maybe I'll find somebody who's secure so I can stay anxiously attached and they'll just fix me. <laughs> so I, I also love the research on this because we used to say like your attachment style is always your attachment style. That's what old attachment theory research said. And now we realize everybody can change. Anybody can move towards secure attachment. And here's the reality. If you're anxiously attached and you're dating somebody who's securely attached, that probably will be helpful to you, but it won't be everything. And in any healthy growing partnership, which I believe all relationships that are healthy are always evolving and growing. We always want to be co-creating secure attachment. So Mm -hmm. you're going to have to probably show up and learn how to co-create secure attachment with your partner. Right. Um, and then if you're anxiously attached and you're attracted to someone who has some avoidant attachment style tendencies, you can make that work, which people are always shocked. It's possible. Here's the thing. It requires both people being willing to co-create secure attachment. So you can't just label somebody as avoidantly attached and then say, it's not going to happen. No, like you could co-create secure attachment. Um, it's just going to be harder depending on where somebody is at on the spectrum too, right? It's like everyone's different in terms of how their attachment style shows up. And I think of it as like, what percentage of the time do you hang out in that attachment style? So if you're 89% in avoidant attachment, yes, that is harder. That person's going to benefit from working on themselves more. But if it's a 25% of the time thing, maybe you can find the right person and you, you work together and co-create secure attachment. So, and then I know this is so long winded, but this is, I could go on a whole tangent about this, but obviously to give people the best chance at the healthiest relationship, we want two individuals who are both working on themselves and they're both realizing, okay, how can I show up as securely attached as possible? all while knowing it's never going to be perfect. There's going to be ruptures. You're going to have to repair. So that's, that's kind of my long answer for you there. I almost wish there was some machine or I guess in 2023, an app that would tell us like, okay, you're like 24% anxious and like 70% uh, avoidant and like this percent secure. And then like based on the different actions you do or discussions you have in therapy or journal, like whatever it is, like you see it changing. Cause that would like motivate you to keep going yeah. or be like, okay, alert, alert, gotta do something here. We're going downhill. <laughs> I love that. Well, this is not quite that level. I do have an uh, attachment style quiz and I specifically made it into percentages because of that. Oh, some of them love just that. say, oh, you're this. So mine does have percentages, which I really like. And that's just in my Instagram bio, Dr. Morgan coaching. I have a attachment style quiz. It'll give you percentages, but I, I like it. your People machine can just do idea. that once a month. Yeah, but, but yeah. that's okay. We once a week, that. once a month, once a year, <laughs> yes. track your progress. 
I have clients that do, and it's amazing. I mean, they become more securely attached over time. So there's so much evidence out there. Anybody can move towards secure attachment. It's not too late. Like it really is possible. I, I really wonder, like I, you know, with my relationship, I feel so secure. Like, I feel like I did make a lot of changes in my anxious attachment before we met where I think I grew a lot. I really became more like, okay, I know who I am and I don't need somebody else to complete me. And I think meeting Jake, he was absolutely secure. And I think his secureness allowed me to let it happen. And his open communication allowed me to feel like, okay, you know, this actually is a healthy situation. And and the more he openly communicates, the more I feel like I can openly communicate. And I, it was unlike anything I had ever experienced just from the start. And I always wonder like if God forbid something happened and I had to end up being single again, what would I be like now having this experience, knowing what I know, would I go right back to my anxious habits or would I be more secure and more independent and really like fight for what I not fight for what I deserve, but know my, what my worth and know what I deserve. Yeah. It's weird to think about. It is weird to think about. I definitely think it's the second one. I, you know, as I was saying to you in the beginning, those corrective emotional experiences, they really can help us rewire our brain and raise our standards for relationships, heal our relationship beliefs. So it's, it's a beautiful thing that, that you're doing that in your current relationship. I'm so excited Bye. for you. Yeah. Um, while I have you, I know my audience would kill me if I didn't ask you some dating questions. Let's do it. Specifically apps. Um, because all the time people are saying to me, oh my gosh, I'm so frustrated. I feel like I'm burnt out. I'm not having fun. And I have my own tips, but I'm so curious. Like, what would you say to that person that just like wanting to get off the apps and they're like not having fun anymore. What, what advice would you give them? Get off the apps. Yeah. They're not the only way to date. We put so much power into their hands and we say, well, dating apps exist. So if I'm not having success on the apps, then I'm just never going to be successful. There are a million other ways to meet people and to have probably a better experience in dating our parents, our grandparents, all of our ancestors, they did not use dating apps. So there's no reason why we have to just say dating apps are the only way to date. There are singles events, speed dating events. I know people who went to like a singles camp this past weekend. There are so many fun ways where you can go out and put yourself in the position to meet other singles. And if that's still something that feels, oh, like that's a little too forced or too much pressure. I don't know if I can handle that. Just go live your life. Like go to a bar, put your phone down. If you see somebody who you're attracted to go say hi, ask them what they're drinking or like what, how they ended up at this place, how they found out about it. There are so many other ways to meet people. Put your phone down. You're standing in line to get coffee, strike up a conversation. Anytime you put your phone down, you become 10 times more approachable, maybe even more. And you can also ask people, ask your friends, your cousins, your coworkers, your acquaintances. Hey, I'm really not feeling the dating apps right now, but I'd love to meet somebody. Do you have anybody in mind? And if not, that's okay. But just keep me in the back of your mind. If you do meet somebody. 
easy. It's not rocket science. So good. I I love that you made this point. I always tell people the dating apps are just one way of meeting people. And yes, we do want all of our options, but just as you said, I mean, there's so many ways, even at the grocery store. I love that one. Just like say hello to people. Um, and this whole point of like putting it out there, putting it into the universe of saying, Hey, I am open to meeting people. And it's that vulnerability. It's being brave. Talk to the people that, you know, because likely the people, you know, no other people, right? Like there, there are so, so many ways to get connected. Yeah. And, and you never know when it'll happen. Or even if you think, oh, well, I know my friends have no single friends. Well, maybe they'll be talking to somebody who will say, Hey, do you have anybody like maybe they'll be at work and they, their coworker will be like, Oh, do you have anyone to set up with my cousin? And had you not mentioned it, they might not have you at the top of their mind. Like we like to think everybody's always looking out for us, but everyone else has a million things going on in their lives. And so you really have to remind people you could even say, send to your email, all of your email contacts, any, anyone you've ever met, or just to select a few people that you feel comfortable with. Here's a photo of me or a few photos of me. Here's a little blurb. And here's what I'm looking for. You can send this around to anyone, you know, or if somebody asks you, if you have somebody, here's some stuff you can tell them about me. You just got to put it out there. It's just that bravery of putting it out there and being vulnerable. Um, I, I love this. So I think about it, it's like planting seeds. Like you never know when those seeds are going to grow. So yeah, to share it with people and it, it may come up. And um, the other, I always say this, we want to get really clear on the outcome, right? So if you have your relationship standards, you have the outcome clear of what you're looking for. And then we have to release the how it happens, surrender the how. Um, and I, I think especially as career-driven women, a lot of times we want to have the check boxes and we have a timeline and we have everything planned exactly how we want it to go. So sometimes we're blocking ourselves from opportunities just because we're trying to control how it happens. So I love that you talked about that of like, just be open, right? Like let it happen how it's going to happen. Yeah. And going off of that, you know, some people, I feel like we're so anti-dating apps for so long because that's not how they want their mute cute to go. Like they have romanticized this version of how they're going to meet their partner. And the reality is it does not matter how you met. It, it simply doesn't. All that matters is that you did meet. And so you want to give yourself the opportunity to connect with people. You never know where it is or how it is that you're going to meet your person. You know, maybe the app that you're going to meet your person on literally does not exist yet. Or the place that you're going to go where you're going to end up bumping it to something and meeting them You've never to this day thought about going to that place. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. And so don't close yourself off by just saying, well, there's only one way I want to meet somebody. So, so true. I love that. Just the openness. And yeah, I think hopefully by now people, people do know, like, it doesn't matter how you meet. like, let's get over, like having this perfect story. Like you get to make it a great relationship. That's what matters. Right. Yeah. What's funny. And I, I met Jake on hinge after I got let go from hinge and all of my friends were like, like, fuck hinge, screw hinge. Like we're all going to delete it. And I'm like, no, you guys like, it's okay. Yeah. I'm like upset right now, but 
I still believe in the product and the app. Like you guys don't all have to like delete hinge. Like I'm still going to use it. And it was three months after two months after that we matched on hinge. So I love it so much. That's a great example. You know, it's like, yeah, you, you never know. You never know. Um, well, this has been such a fun conversation. I feel like we could just talk for hours. One last thing on my end before we close out, because I would get in trouble for not asking you this. Um, what is the best piece of dating or relationship advice you've ever received or have to give? Ooh. I would say, oh man, it's like you have to learn how to love yourself first. I know it's so cliche, but you have to build that relationship with yourself first. No one is going to fill a void for you. A relationship cannot give you anything that you can't give yourself. A relationship will multiply. It will add value. It will not fill a void. So it really is build that relationship with you first. I love that. I completely agree. (laughs) And I have to ask you, because I have a question too. (laughs) Excuse me. So you're walking down the street and somebody wants your best life advice of all time. Um, And it would just be like what you would say today to that person. If you don't ask, you don't get. Yes. It has taken me everywhere that has mattered in my life. Um, it has completely guided me through my career, helped me get beyond my wildest dreams opportunities. Um, like interviewing the Jonas brothers. Let's just yeah. put that out yeah. there. No, that literally. <laughs> and that was because I asked. Beautiful. And I thought it was the longest shot on the planet and it happened. And it wouldn't have happened had I not taken the risk and asked. So if you don't ask, you don't get. (laughs) It applies everywhere. Love, career. I love it. It's so beautiful. This has been such a good conversation. How can people connect with you? Give us all the things. Yes. So I am everywhere at, no, not everywhere. Actually, I'm Instagram at seeing other people, TikTok at Alana.done. And you can listen to seeing other people wherever you listen to podcasts. And you... (laughs) Yeah. So, um, on Instagram, I'm at Dr. Morgan coaching, Dr. Morgan coaching. And then the podcast is let's get vulnerable everywhere. Podcasts are aired. So this was so fun. I love this collab. Me too. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Everyone make sure you go check out seeing other people. Thank you so much. Check out Let's Get Vulnerable. Thanks for listening, daters. I hope today's episode made you feel just a little bit less alone out there, no matter what your status might be. Give your finger a break from swiping and hit that follow and review button instead. And if you have any burning questions or want to share your own dating horror stories, reach out to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, keep on seeing other people.